0: you're listening to two guys talking wine with michael pincus and andre prue
1: michael andre it is sunday morning it is sunday morning not too early thankfully sometimes we like to do a, a little uh, a little european uh uh chat uh and that means we have to get up at like you know, four in the morning or five in the morning to yep. talk to somebody. Yep. Which we this, yes. this time we we brought somebody on, but they're in our time zone, but not from our time zone.
0: Oh that's funny. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we are joined by Craig McDonald, who will be um discussing we, we just have some questions. It's been actually Michael, you and I have been trying hard to to book a winemaker or vineyard manager to talk about what exactly is going on in the vineyards this year and
1: Everyone is, is frantic and busy. And they don't want to talk about it. So thank you, <laughs> Craig, for coming on and actually agreeing to talk about it. You put me in a great
2: spot there, guys. Jeez, All the others are running for the hills, not wanting to take, a, take an interview. But nonetheless, with a slight hangover from last night and a few too many glasses of wine, you got me. Right on. Yep.
1: And, and the promise of more.
2: <laughs> well, I hope so. I've got to scrub it off a bit later, yeah. Definitely.
0: Uh, well, I guess we'll, we'll get right into it. It's, it's October thirty first today. Um, how close are you done uh, with harvest?
1: How close are you to finishing? That's yeah. what he meant to say.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. No. That. Um, well, it's kind of like the harvest; it just keeps on giving, right? We uh, we started late, and we're definitely going to finish late because the yields are big. So, and we've had a lot of rain in October. You know, we've had over two hundred mils of rain. We only get wow. six hundred a year, so it's it's pretty big, um, but yeah, we. I think we're probably going to wrap up reds in the next week. Uh, you know, most of it's in; it's just bits and bobs now, and waiting for fermenters to, to dry up. And then uh, we've got a few whites, mainly some Vidal and some some hybrids out there that are that'll uh, go the distance for at least another two weeks. So probably two weeks. Long answer.
1: Now, is is that typical? I always thought there's something hanging, you know, deep into November, or is that just certain winemakers?
2: Yeah, it's funny. It feels like it finished pretty quick for
1: us. Like two weeks
2: ago, I I, I couldn't see the end. You know, there's no way, and we're all a bit concerned. But uh, you know, things have lightened up a bit. There's been some, you know, honestly, there's been some rejections. There's been some fruit that hasn't made the grade. Um, because of botrytis and uh, you know other other issues out there, so we've moved on from those, and that that's given us a bit of capacity to to move forward. So, um, but you know we're only yeah uh, yeah you know, I'd say you're right. It does it does feel like it's it's early or er- about normal, but God it feels like a long time. I sorry, I, I
0: guess just to to like take it a step back. You said re- rejections. I think there's a lot of people who listen to the podcast will know what that means, but for people who don't, can you I- explain what that is?
2: Yeah, so we, you know, we've got a lot of growers, a lot of vineyard blocks and we have certain, you know, specifications to to the growers to grow according to different programs. Um, if it's a reserve wine, you know, we make sure it's top notch and if it's more on the commercial side, um, but they have different specifications for sugar and one of the ones that they all have though, no matter what program, is it's got to be free of disease or rot and um, occasionally, you know, uh, the weather gets uh, the better of the vineyards and uh, they break down and and get rot. So a rejection is when when I would go out there and say, look, this is just not fit for making quality table wine, so we're not going to take it. Um, And I'd rather do it in the vineyard than at the winery. Sometimes, you know, growers bring it to the winery and we test it and it doesn't look great. So we reject it and it's in the truck, whereas I much prefer you know, to go out and work with the growers in the field and give them advice and say, Hey, you know, if you cut a bit of this out or thin a bit of that off, um, we'll take it. So, so unfortunately, even though we do that, there's still some rejections this year just because it was just so bloody wet and, uh, there was, you know,
1: some botrytis. So So our, our our tonnage is tonnage down this year because of all the rejection I'm going to assume.
2: Well, it's, it's down, um, but it's not down on average. I mean, we, we were up around uh, 15 to 20% above normal oh, wow. above average, just in yield. So you might have, you know, three, four tons an acre of Pinot Noir, and then some guys were pulling in five to six, you know, which is just unheard of. And you couldn't see it. You know, you're looking in the vineyard, and it's like, well, okay, there's only, you know, I'm, I'm running eight to 12 buds per cane, and, you know shoot thinning, and I'm, I'm, you know, two to one, and not one bunch per shoot, but I'm, you know, it looks about normal, but they just, the bunch sizes and the bunch weights were up, and, they were you know, there were more berries per, per bunch, and, uh, yeah, the resultant bunches were just 20% heavier, and you couldn't really see it until it, until it started coming in, I think that's why people, you know, panicked, and, you know, because you do the math, and that's 20% more tanks that you didn't think you needed a few weeks ago, so... It becomes a real game of logistics at that point. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I, I guess making, the- making wine is uh, moving pieces around as well. As much as it's let's make the best possible wine, it's it's a game of logistics
0: and organisation. Okay. Now, now I know you said that the bunches that are coming in are, are heavier, twenty percent heavier, and that that yields are, are up. But what's the quality like? Does the rain that we've had in October, I mean, what impact does it have on the quality of the fruit that you're working with?
2: yeah it's surprisingly good. Um I mean, the concentration that you get, like if you look at a berry and it's 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 a bit larger then your skin to juice ratio does change. so there's there's a lot of sunnyaing going on, you know, a lot of people bleeding juice off, which you know thankfully, the rose market's pretty hot. Um, so there's a bit of that. So some corrective things being done just to get the ratio right because they are quite. Um, you know there is a lot of tons per acre, and there's a lot of litres per tonne when you bring it in. So, yeah, no, the quality's great. Um, it, it's been challenging in the second half, I'm not going to lie. I, I think the first half where we do all the aromatics, you know, we do the sparkling, we do, you know, early early Pinot from Niagara and the Lake. So, you know, the first half is, was good. Second half, very challenging. And, you know, it really is, you're going to see, you know, wineries and winemakers who are really pushing hard and know their stuff in the Reds from 2021 for sure.
0: It, it was tough. There's no doubt. No, it's I it's it's interesting to hear how optim, how optimistic Craig sounds because I know there's other other wineries I've been speaking with where it just it seems it sounds like a bit of a, yeah. a panic this year. And I know uh like for for ADX we harvested our Chardonnay about a month ago and it was just you know, comparing 20, 2020 to twenty twenty one I think last year most of the vineyards in Niagara looked practically Photoshopped in, in, in spite of the pandemic where this year it was just, um, I've never, I've never seen fruit like that rotting on the vine, but granted I don't have, don't have a long career being in vineyards at harvest time. Uh, like Craig, how does this year stack up to other years? Is this like really just a, a, a challenging tough vintage in, in spite of your optimism?
2: Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose my words carefully here, but let me say that it's been dubbed the most challenging harvest on record in Niagara. Let's I'll say that much. Um, you can call you can you can exchange the word challenging for any other adjectives, but <laughs> I won't. Um, but yeah, it wasn't easy. I mean, the the sheer rainfall um, and the you know the, the perpetual onslaught of rain, and then we got that. You know, we always get those twenty-degree nights, those overnight temperatures, and that's the that's the kiss of death for some vineyards. So, so if you had weak skins, um, you know, and perhaps the vineyard was maybe slightly overcropped, um, but then even vineyards that were undercropped and were like totally premium, um, they get they get a higher and a quicker sugar accumulation, so they're at risk also. So it's <laughs> you really can't win in a year where you just get that amount of rainfall, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's 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 call a spade
1: a spade. It was a bit of a show in the uh, second half of the harvest for sure. Yeah. Well, the, the did I interesting. Say that? I did say that. Yeah, yeah, you can say that. You've you've said it more than one time on the on the podcast. Yeah, you go. Yeah. 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 The, the uh, <laughs> see the interesting part uh, that that really hit me is that I, I did hear that September was rainy at 55 uh, millimeters, and then you said october we got over 200 and i guess i didn't realize that we had gone that far uh along i know there was a lot of rain yeah uh oh yeah so basically we probably have received 300 millimeters of rain or close to it in um in two months and 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 the worst two months of of the season in the growing season now just in general can you explain to everybody what because I always get that, that question when I do wine tours. People always say, well, why does rain really matter during harvest? So if you could just explain to everybody what rain does to a harvest.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the vines are can only take, or a vineyard planting can only take so much water. You know, there's drainage you know, often in the soil that occurs naturally, or, you know, we put in tile drainage to remove excess water and, there comes a point where it it just doesn't function and it's overloaded. And because of the nature of the soils, whether it's heavier clay, which is, you know, it takes a while to percolate down to the tile. So you get this basically wet feet. You get, you know, like a pond or you get just a ton of water in the topsoil and the subsoil there that um, is taken up by the the vines. So what you want to do is you want to try and remove it before it has time to uptake but unfortunately sometimes they do and um, when they do um, especially in the right conditions where they're still in somewhat of a vegetative state so they've got a healthy canopy there's sunshine there's lots of water they suck it up and what happens if you think about a bunch of grapes um, they're also a bit of a storage area too for you know storing energy around the seed uh, in there. So they'll take water in and they can actually pull away from what we call the little stem that the berry is attached to the bunch on called the reiki. So this tiny, delicate little uh, thing that holds the berry in, uh, they take up so much water that they expand and they push off that. And there's actually, or they expand and they crack um, because there's only so much elasticity that the berry has. And then that juice that seeps out becomes infected and it's it, there's a spores that are in there from, you know, well, there's spores everywhere, you know, wherever you go. It's, there's there's nature everywhere and then they just start to ferment or they start to go rotten with, with a mold or some sort of a rot. So, you know, there's black rot, there's botrytis is the big one, the sour rot, you know, there's all sorts of things that can occur once you get that that uh, lesion inside the, the berry there, inside the bunch. So that's the biggest concern is, is you know, splitting berries or berries pulling off the Reiki, um, creating a, a weak spot for the vine for infection or for the for the grape, sorry. And that's, that's what happens when you get too much water and it, it sucks. And most of it, you know, like I said, depending on the soil structure, most of it we can get rid of, but not all of it. We just,
1: when you get that much rain in that short period of time, there's not much you can do. So. Somebody also mentioned to me, and and uh, Andre and I thought it sounded legitimate, and, and I thought I would just check with somebody. Can you actually lose brick levels Yeah. Uh, when you get yeah. too much rain? Yeah, totally,
2: Michael. So much like uh, the situation I just described where the, a berry is taking up that excess water that can't percolate away from the ground, it's got to go somewhere, and... It goes right into the berry. So the berry is composed of sugar and water and acid and, you know, various other things. But for the most part, the ones that we're interested in is, is sugar and acid. We don't, you know, as, as things ripen, the water, you know, it evaporates and concentrates. So you're actually getting dilution in the berry when they suck up water. So you might have 22 bricks, get a bit of rain, and you go and test it two days later, and it's 21. And you're like, what? You know? and that's just because you're getting that slight dilution from from water uptake and if too much like i said it splits you've got much much too much there and we've had a bit
0: of that this year um so is, is the so, fr- is the fruit ripe like are, are things ripening properly like um and I, I guess the the second part of the question is like how how would the quality of fruit this year compare to last year which was you know hot dry and essentially ideal growing conditions
2: yeah, I know. It seems like a dream last year. It was just such a bloody good vintage. So, you know, definitely buy all the 20s you can get your hands on. <laughs> um, no, I mean, the funny thing about this year is we had one of the hottest and driest Augusts and everyone was sort of rubbing their hands saying this is going to be a absolute killer of a vintage because we've got yield, we've got heat, you know, so we're going to get plenty of good grapes. Well, and then it flipped. It just like a switch went off and it just kept raining and raining and never bloody stopped, you know, like, you know, for, for six weeks. Um, so the, but the thing that was interesting, though, and I'll, I'll just talk about reds because everyone seems to feel that, you know, reds dictate whether it's a good or bad harvest. And that's, that is, that is there is some truth to that. Because whites, we do well here every year. It's just a bit more challenging, you know, because they come in in the first half of the year, but they're always good, the reds we've got to work a bit harder on and the, 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 ripeness from a sugar perspective, definitely a challenge, right? Cause we, you know, we got a bit of dilution. There was a big crop. They just didn't have the horsepower. There was, there was a bit of uh, mildew around and mildew gets on the leaves and, and reduces the photosynthetic potential, which ripens the berry. So if you've got damaged canopy, you know, you're losing horsepower to ripen a big crop. So that was a challenge. Um, but, yeah, definitely low in sugar, but the quality and the tannins the and the actual seeds themselves were actually quite ripe, so thanks to August. So we really pushed hard there and got pretty ripe skins and seeds. Um, so even at low sugar, uh, you may have to chapelize, but the flavours are quite good. So you, you really got to... It actually reminds me of when I first came here, going back to um, the good old days in the 90s, we used to chapelise everything. All red wines came in at 21. You know, it rarely got higher than that. Um, you know, and I mean, me working at Trias, you know, formerly Hillebrands, and you look back at those old Trias Reds from the, from the 90s, and they were all picked at 20 to 21, rarely got into 22, never saw 23. So we've become pretty, pretty lucky. Um, and, you know, largely that's a bit of culture and heat different practices over the years. We've, we've got better better ripening in sh- from a sugar perspective, but the, the physiological ripeness of, the, of the, the the grapes themselves have always been there. And I think um, in a year like this, we're going to rely on that. And uh, we'll still make good wine. It may, they may lack a little bit of concentration. Um, I think, you know, there's gems out there. There's some vineyards that have been very surprising, actually, and we've had... 24 25 bricks you know uh, and there's some that are out there sitting at around 20 to 21 in the reds that are that'll still make good wine so i think you know it, it's there you've got to hunt for it but um you know it's the, the the tannins and uh you know they're like really impressing me at the moment and you know just there's no green characters despite the fact they're low sugar i'm not saying that greenness that you normally associate with low sugar fruit so that's a good thing I effort. like
1: I like that Craig's trying to put a good spin on this. <laughs> well, I, I try to. I mean I'm I'm pretty honest. I
0: mean well, that's it. Uh, we're we're getting the good spin, but we're getting the but, honest. Like it's not like Craig is it's not like you're sitting here telling us like I'm guessing I'm guessing there's gonna be no grand red this year.
2: Yeah, I'm just fair to say. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. But that being said, in years like this, Trius Red will probably be an outstanding an outstanding wine. If there's anything that may have been reserved for your top tier, it'll get bounced down to the, the lower-tier wine. I put that in air quotes.
2: Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, the accountants hate to hear winemakers say that because, you know, the, the money is in when you charge 50 bucks a bottle. And But if the quality is not there, we, we're not going to charge 50 bucks. So we'll charge $25. And I think that's a fair price for, you know, what we call a B-level wine, which is the bread and butter of, you know, BQA quality, you know, like Pella Private Reserve, Trius Red, You know, they're all rock solid, I think, wines that that over-deliver for the price point. 30 Bench, Winemakers Red, another one. But, you know, for me to say I'm going to – this is an outstanding vintage that, you know, I'm going to put my my reputation and my mark on, it's going to be a challenge to do that. At this point in time, now, there could be some surprises, but based on what I've seen, um, you know, Cabernet Franc was was a challenge um, because it's a bit softer skinned uh merlot was actually the shining star for the vintage and then cabernet sauvignon it's kind of a bit too early to say but it looks like it's going to perform better than we would have expected so so merlot
1: you know so and cab franc yeah i've just blended tres red there you go it's, so so you know you always hear and, and i guess this may be my my last question until something unless something else comes up but um You always hear uh, winemakers talk about, you know, you can offset what has happened in a, you know, rough vintage by what you did in the vineyard uh, earlier in the season. Uh, Mm -hmm. My question, I guess, is, you know, you can offset certain things, but, you know, I don't think, you know, in July and August, everybody was going, oh, there's going to be 300 millimeters of rain in in two months. So was there anything... Now, in hindsight, that could have been done in a in a vineyard that would have lessened any of this, or was it the rain that was going to just decimate? Well, decimates a wrong word, but I mean that was there anything that could have been done earlier to would have offset all that rain, or just Mother Nature took over this year, Michael? Yeah, I wish I
2: could give you a better answer than I'm going to give you, but it it was just the rain. There's nothing we could have done. We've got. You know, 70 growers over 300 in you know, individual blocks, and you know, probably a thousand vineyards that we, we you know we get from you know and we buy from. So it and and this is from 30 bench where we're doing all the right things. We've, we've got organic Cabernet Franc there. Um, you know, very low yields. Two guys in Niagara on the lake um, who are professional growers that grow good quality for tonnage and. There's no there's no compelling difference to say that one thing was better than the other, and I look back and I'm trying to find, you know, what what is it? What, what's what's the angle? What's the learnings? And the, you know, what can we apply for next year? And I can't find much. I really can't because there's so much inconsistency between vineyards. But the only thing consistent about all the vineyards is that the same bloody result. Um, I would see some varietal things for sure, like I mentioned a bit earlier in the reds, but uh, God, it was just, I really can't put my finger on it. The guys that thinned and sprayed, I think maybe calcium sprays and, you know, the integrity of the skins. So there's a a whole series of things that you can do to to toughen up the skins of the berries and, you know, leaf pulling at certain times adds a bit more tension to the skin. So there's maybe some minor things like that that could have, maybe slowed things down, but it really prevented, um, what happened. You know, it's a question of time. So some things happen quicker than others. Some vineyards showed early signs of, you know, breakdown and then other ones got there in the end. So there, there are a couple of, um, Cabernet Sauvignon vineyards that we've found that were astonishingly, uh, clean and a little bit underripe, um, And that made me think, well, maybe if it was um, in a cool site, um, you know, maybe it was so underripe uh, at the high-pressure time that it sort of skated through the disease and popped out on the other side. I have seen that over the years, where whether it's a a virus-infected block that is very slow to ripen and, you know, is only firing on, you know, five out of six cylinders. So it's it's not... uh, not really going at full speed. And then I've seen them, you know, pop up in sort of late October, you know, pristine. I'm like, what the hell happened there? Well, it was just under right for the longest time and it didn't break down because there was no sugar and it was still too high acid. So, but, you know, here here you are with those vineyards and they're 19 bricks. They look beautiful, but can you make great wine from them? You know, and so, yeah, that's a, you know, I don't think there's any real single learnings, I think maybe there's you know it be good good to get people together in a room actually and just uh talk about it over a drink and you know, uh which which we love to do, uh, Waymakers. So because I think, you know, most people would say it was just cross the board. But there there could be some little nuggets in there just in talking about it now or thinking about it now. All from right. uh from a viticultural point of view.
0: Alright, all right. let's let's end on a let's end on a on a higher note. Um because Man. while while 2021 is you know still in it, in its infancy, like you said, still dealing with um, tank space and and just the logistics of getting it out of the vineyard, what are you excited about from 2020 that's going to be coming out?
2: Oh, okay, there we go. Wow, I mean, 2020, like Cabernet Franc from 2020 is just absolutely stunning. It's you know. <laughs> they've got a, a beautiful balance of power um but freshness as well i think the 2020s a bit like 12s you know they they had all the ripeness there but they've got freshness and and balance and finesse as well so they're not just brooding powerful wines 20s so for me I, I love the cab francs i i think they're they're absolutely stunning um you know pinot noir is They've got a lot more meat on their bones than they would normally have. Um, so, you, probably, you know, I think, you know, there'll be some higher alcohol Pinots this year, and that doesn't always work in Niagara. You know, I, I think 12 and a half to 13 is the sweet spot when you're always sort of pushing uphill a bit rather than, you know, getting it too easy. Um, but, uh, yeah, but I, I think, you know, there'll be some great exceptional Pinot Noir. Uh, the producers will do some amazing uh wines especially on the bench area where it's naturally cooler that, that, that's a that's a stunning year 2020 but Cabernet Franc across the board big fan um you know have a have a real uh, appreciation for that variety and I think um you know it's it's going to shine very very brightly
0: I'm glad to hear you talking about Cabernet Franc because I know Michael and I have bounced it around Uh, just because last year I had hijacked the the podcast and we spent so much time talking about Chardonnay. We've been focusing on yeah, Michael. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) But uh, sorry, I'm going to just add the spread to the anyways. Um, We would definitely like to have you on at some point, uh, maybe when it gets a little cooler and and things settle down a bit, just to talk about Cabernet Franc because I still, I remember back in the in my early days of writing, talking to you in in 2010 and 2012 about the the Red Shell and I think it would be fun just to help unpack that a little bit more and I know, Michael. You and I, we have another podcast upcoming this week where we're going to be uh, going down the Cab Franc rabbit hole a little bit further. So it's uh, ni- it's nice. It's always nice to hear people speak with enthusiasm about Cabernet Franc.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely, guys. Well, you know what? If we can see fit to get together, the three of us, I'll bring some twelve red shale because I I have one case and I've had one bottle out of the case, and I had it about six months ago, and I was just Absolutely blown away. Just exceptional stuff. The twelves are in an absolute prime spot, so I'd be happy to share one.
0: Oh that'd be oh, perfect. Yeah, that'd be lovely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No well Craig, we'd like to thank you for your time and your honesty, uh, and for being <laughs> one of the uh um the brave ones to come on and talk because we did reach out to quite a few and uh I've never seen such radio silence when you ask a question. So thank you. <laughs> No worries, Michael. And the, you know what? The the proof is
2: in the pudding. So you know, it's 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 going to sort the, the the people out. The winemakers are really going to shine, or they're not going to shine in a year like this, right? It's going to separate uh, you know g- girls from women and men from boys. That's for sure. So, but yeah, you know, onwards and upwards, and we'll we'll we just keep doing what we do. And uh, you know, I think. Uh, <laughs> Rosé is going to be fantastic. There'll be a load of good rosé around, so and and (laughs) rosé selling.
0: (laughs) Well, there we go. (laughs) Looking forward to good
2: rosé, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Good to catch up, and there'll be
1: lots of um, multi varietal rosé. I would think. Just uh, heads up there. I'm looking. (laughs) I'm looking forward to the Stratus uh, Tanat Sangiovese (laughs) rosé.
0: Man, it's um, it's nice to just kind of get things broken down with with just what exactly is happening in um in niagara right now because i i know uh we spoke to a couple (coughs) a couple of other winemakers from smaller wineries hoping to get them on but frankly you know I'm, i'm looking outside my window right now the sun is starting to poke out we've just had a little bit of rain overnight but i think right now every winemaker and vineyard manager in niagara when there's a break in the rain is running to their vineyards to try to get as much out as they can
1: well, I'm, I'm looking out my window and, and I'm, and you know what, when you, when you started your sentence with, uh, getting things broken down, I thought, wow, how, how apropos a word that is. I never but, understood. Uh, I never, I'm, you know. I'm it, looking out my window and we're supposed to get some sun this afternoon by about one o'clock, uh, hopefully. And I really, I really do hope that, you know, we get a little bit of sun, like my God, just the last, you know, few days down here in Niagara has just been, you know, just grim,
0: it's, it's insane. And I mean, it's one of those things too, where like, um, you know, it's one of the things where I'm, I'm grateful for f- f- like having my experience now running my company for a little bit. Um, because as a journalist, we get a chance to talk to people who are, are working hard to make wine and in a tough year, we usually get the PR response, well, oh, it's a challenging vintage or it's a tough vintage, but I never really got an understanding of it. This is the first year where it's just like, it's, it's a little disheartening being in the vineyards.
1: Yeah. I, I, was in uh, I was in a vineyard earlier this week, and I was checking out some of the grapes, and it was really weird. And I, sh- I these days I, I'm always trying to figure out a, a good picture, and I missed I think a really uh, good opportunity because there was a bunch of grapes that were burst, like literally they were hollow. You just this, this just the skin, and you could see how they had like burst.
0: Okay, but that but that being said, I mean I think we need to try to end the podcast on a on a high note. The wine 2020
1: makers. wines are coming out.
0: And that's it. Um, I mean, we're gonna be working hard to, to like to make our rose, I know Craig's gonna work hard to deliver the, the the full spectrum of wines from uh from Trius. And it's um there's gonna be wines from this year. It's just, you know, I think we're gonna be more looking forward to the twenty twenties than the twenty twenty ones. But you know, I I it, it it is like Craig said at the very end though. I am looking forward to seeing which wines are going to rise above from a challenging vintage like this because it's really going to give our talented winemakers the ability to show off when they can deliver the
1: goods. Yeah, and I I think that really does you know. And, and there are certain wineries, I guess in your head and in my head that you're expecting good wine from each and every year, uh, but I think it's the ones that will um you know, kind of come out of the shadows that'll that'll you know be the real the real stars. You know, the ones you just don't expect and you get there and you taste and you go, wow, you guys nailed this. And, you know, that little Little guy in your head goes, I did not expect that from this winery.
0: Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's the thing that's exciting about about work, working as close to the industry as, as you and I do. So I'm going to throw just one last call out before we we wrap. If you do work for a smaller winery, and I, I think if you work for a smaller winery, you have an idea of, of who it is we're thinking about, and you have a bit of time, please send Michael and I a message. I mean, we're pretty accessible on on social media. We would love to talk to you about your experience with uh, what's happening with the the vintage and maybe forecast what we have to look forward to uh, coming forward. And I know the people listening to this podcast love these types of interviews. So thank you again to Craig McDonald for joining us. Um, I'm Andre Pru from andrewinereview.ca. You can follow me on all social media at andrewinereview. And a quick shout out to Patreon. Uh, We always appreciate the support. Keep this podcast going. And we are exploring sponsorship opportunities, so if you think that this is a good way to get the word out about your business, because a lot of really good people who work in the wine business, both in sales and for wineries, listen to this podcast, we would be more than happy to discuss opportunities with you.
1: And I am Michael Pincus of com. You can follow me on social media as The Grape Guy on most things, and then Michael Pincus on some others. I'm not that hard to find. Uh, Andre, it is um, a Sunday afternoon, let's say. Yeah, almost. Uh, I really want to say good night, but I think it's more apropos today to say happy Halloween. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.